Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. We've been speaking on contagious. Everyone say contagious. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Let's jump right into this. It says, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, saying, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he has promised you. As I told you before, John the Baptist, or John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As you're seated, turn to your neighbor and just say, contagious. The word contagious means it refers to an emotion or a feeling or even an attitude. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been around someone that's positive. Their positivity has the ability to make you positive as well. Or if you've been around someone that's negative, their negativity has the ability to pull you into negativity as well. But attitudes are contagious. Feelings are contagious. Emotions are contagious. And like a match, the early church, there was something about them that made them contagious. How did this church that was started on the verge, this church should have never really got off the ground. The early church should have never survived its infancy because we see that it was started by their, their leader being executed not only executed, then the same government that killed their leader is now after them. They're hiding out in fear. They're, the society is against them. All of the religious leaders of that time are against them. There is no one that is pulling for them. There is no one that is helping them out. Government isn't for them. In fact, they're persecuting them. The early church should have never survived its infancy. But there was something about these 12 people, these 120 that found themselves in the upper room, that somehow something ignited in them that caused a whole nation to come together. And it started a spark way back then that spread throughout the world. That today we see that Christianity is one of the strongest movements across the world, not just in America. I need you to understand, what was it? It was that the followers of Jesus had become contagious. You cannot be contagious until you start being courageous, until you take a stand, until you allow yourself to, to face the heat of a nation, to face the heat of people coming against you. The early church were more, were more concerned about pleasing God than they were concerned about pleasing people. Everything about that early church, they should have never, ever made it to this point. In fact, the Roman government went crazy trying to persecute Christians. The persecution under Nero, the, the emperor, was so brutal that they were killing Christians at an incredible level where they were taking even babies and children, putting them inside animals, sewing them up, and then putting those animals out in the Colosseum for other wild animals to eat the carcasses of those animals and eventually get to the children that were inside the animals of families that called themselves Christians. 
anything to try to wipe out Christianity. In fact, Nero would take Christians and dip them, put tar on them, light them up in his garden in order to keep his garden lit at night. For these people that all they had to do was deny Jesus in order to find themselves not, not being subjected to this. Yet they stood so strong in the midst of persecution that even when you killed them, they multiplied. The more they died, the more they multiplied. You would think that people would be scared to death to follow Jesus, but even as they persecuted and ended up promoting them. Amen. What was it about this group of people? And we talked about this, that number one, we find that that early church, that there was something about the followers of Christ that you could tell that they had been with Jesus. There was something different about them. Secondly, we talked about last week is that they were united. They, they came together as one. And that, you know what, unity doesn't mean that we agree on everything. Say it again, Pastor. Being united doesn't mean that we agree on everything. It doesn't mean we have to like the same football teams, like the same kind of food. But when we talk about unity, unity means singular purpose. It's coming together for one reason. It's coming together for a common goal. And the third thing I want you to see today is that they were obedient. Everyone say obedient. Acts chapter 1 verse, uh, verse 4 says this. Once when he was eating with them, he... He what? Command. How many love to be commanded? I don't know about you, but the moment you tell me I have to do something, I don't want to do it. I don't care what it is. It may be eat ice cream, and I love ice cream. The moment you tell me I have to eat it, there's something inside me that just automatically fights against when someone tells me I have to do something. I know I'm the only rebellious one here that you guys love to be commanded. Every one of you love to be commanded to do something. But they were obedient. The Bible says that Jesus commanded them. But I need you to know how many parents are here. Okay. How many have parents? Had parents. Had a parent. Okay. That's everyone here. Okay. See what I'm trying to get to. Whenever your parents commanded you to do not to do something, what was your first inclination? <laughs> Kyrie is 11 months old. 11 months. Not even a year. We tell them, don't touch something. Stay away from something. And this 11-month-old, somehow... The moment you say no, it opens up something inside him that says yes. He'll start crawling closer to it. No. There, there's something because we've been why I'm not sure what it is, but I need you to understand when a parent tells a child, don't touch the stove, are they trying to control the child? Why is the parent saying not, touch, not to touch the stove? For protection, because of care. When God commands us not to do something, it is not trying to control you. It is out of care that God is saying, listen, I know what can happen when you do something in this regard. You don't know how many marriages I've sat with when a wife is sitting there and the husband is sitting there and they're crying. They're, he's so possessive. He's so, he's so angry. She, she is so jealous. And the first question I always ask is this. Did you guys sleep together before you got married? What's that got to do with anything? 
Who, who are you to ask me that question? Why are you asking? What, what's, what's that got to do with what we're going through right now? See, God doesn't say not to have sex before outside of marriage because God's trying to keep fun from you. But God's just trying to control me. God don't want me to have sex, you know? It's, don't touch it. It's hot. God's calling somebody. <laughs> and so what, what he, the reason is this. Whenever you get involved sexually with someone that's not your wife or your husband, you have taken something from that individual that doesn't belong to you yet. And if I take something from you that doesn't belong to you, I'm always worried someone is going to take it from me. And so I found that every couple that I counsel when they find themselves dealing with these issues and I ask them that question, are they jealous? Are they possessive? Are they always insecure? And I come to find out, yes, every single time. Why? Because they've taken something that doesn't belong to them. And it's like me stealing your car and then trying to drive it around in your neighborhood. I can't do that. Whenever you take something that doesn't belong to you, God did not create that rule or that law to keep you from fun because God hates you. He did that for you because he cares about you and he wants your relationship to last. <laughs> Say it again, Pastor. So I want you to understand that with every promise comes a condition. And God tells them after he ascends, he says, I want you to go and wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. In other words, be still. And this is where we get into trouble because many of us make decisions at a moment where God told us to be still. God says, be still. That's where we get a divorce. That's where we quit a job. That's where we leave a church. That's where we stop our education. That's where we walk away from friendships. In the moment where God said, be still, we start making decisions like crazy because we want to take control of everything. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse four. I'm just going to read this to you. You can write this down, look at it later. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. Talking about Jesus, okay? And just as the scripture said, he was seen by Peter, then by the 12, and then after that, he was seen by what? More than how many? 500 of his followers. Now, Scholars say this, that the 500 people that saw Jesus after his death and resurrection, that they saw him when he was ascending. Because that would have been the most practical time for 500 people to have an opportunity to see Jesus. And so as he's ascending, that's where the, Jesus is ascending. He tells him to go wait in Jerusalem for the promise on a high. And he doesn't give a suggestion. God didn't give the 10 suggestions. He gave the 10. And we live life as everything that God said as a suggestion. The word of God isn't the suggestion book. God commands these things because, and this is something important to understand. He tells the five, over 500 people witness him. Now, you got to capture this. Jesus is talking to them, and then the brother starts levitating. And as he's talking to them, go and wait in Jerusalem for the promise from on high. And as he's saying this, he's being lifted up in front of them. Now, in this day and age, I'm glad it wasn't in this day and age, because what we would have done, 
We would have done the selfie thing. <laughs> Try to take a selfie with Jesus behind us. Or I'm here, Facebook Live. Yeah, man, right now I'm here with Jesus. He's, he's going up right now. I'm going to check it out. He's, he's going up. There he goes. We, we would have Facebooked it. We would have Instagrammed it. We would have Snapchatted it. We would have done all those things. And as he was going up, the Bible says that the angel shows up and says, men of Galilee, why do you stand, stand here staring up into the air? The same Jesus that was taken from you will return in the same way. Amen. And he tells him, now do what he told you to do. What did he tell you to do? Go to Jerusalem and wait. Over 500 have a first-hand account of Jesus being levitated right in front of them. An amazing event. They went crazy. They're excited. They're part of a great happening there. And yet really a, trip, a, a tipping point in momentum. Just like the, it's just like the, 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 the momentum shifted here. They went from hiding out in fear to now they can't wait to go and meet God. Now, thank you, man. I appreciate that. There's at least one person got it. So you got over how many people that see him lifted up? They start walking to Jerusalem. But something happens on the way. See, I need you to understand the promise is great. The process can suck. We, we love the promise. God's going to bless me. God's going to bless my marriage. He's going to bless my finances, bless my business. But man, the process of getting there can be a struggle. God gives them the promise. Now, not everyone that was commanded to go wait made it there. Why? See, it should have been instead of 120 in the upper room, it should have been over 500 in the upper room. That's what it should have been. But the problem is what happened? Life. Come on, think about it. I know every one of you in here loves God, but you're not here every week. Why? Life. Things distract you. Things call on you. Things happen to where you're not always where you should be in life. Even though you've been commanded to be in a certain place, we're not always where we're supposed to be. Because life happens. And that's exactly what happened is that even though they were commanded to get there, they didn't get where they were supposed to go. Why? And we call it life, but really it was just disobedience. God told them to be there and they didn't make it there. And so only 120, over 380 people missed out on a great happening where it should have been 500 received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Only 120 experienced it. I want to know, what are you missing out on in God right now? What are you missing out by because of disobedience? Because you're not where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. Uh, you, you, you totally missed that. You see, we're called to obedience, not to understanding. Please say that again. This is the problem with, especially I think more, more so the American church. Because we're a democratic society. How many of you know God doesn't move according to popular opinion? God doesn't take polls. He doesn't find out, what do you think about this before he... Let's take a census. How's everyone feeling about this issue? It's not what God does. We're called to obedience, not to understanding. 
We find understanding after we step out in obedience. But in America, we want to, we want to understand, well, why, why, why does God say that? Why do I have to do that? Why, why, why is God telling me I have to, you know, give this? Why do I have to pray that? Why do I have to go here? How come I have to love that person? How, how come I have to forgive that individual? I want you to understand what the Word of God says in John chapter 14, verse 15. He says this. I'm going to close in a moment. Stay with me. If you love me, if you obey my commandments, not suggestions. We got to capture this. Let's just lay this on the table this this morning, okay? Let's let's just lay this out. Well, I'm not going to obey God. Well, that's cool. Let's just also admit that you don't love God. Let's just just call it what it is because love is measurable. God says love is measurable. I measure your love for me based on your obedience towards me. See, I'm not faithful to my wife because I have to be. I'm faithful to my wife because I love her. I I found what I'm looking for. I'm not out there looking for something else or someone else. I found what I was looking for. I found who I want to be committed to. I'm not searching. I'm not trying to find something better. I'm not looking at upgrading or downgrading. I'm not looking to trade trade my wife for two two 25-year-olds. I'm not looking at that kind of trading to take place. Why? Because... I love her. I'm not obeying her. I'm not doing what she asked me to do. I'm doing this because I love her. The thing is, we have, until you find something that you love enough, it's not that we don't love God. It's just that we love ourselves more. It's a love issue. Obeying the word of God is a love issue. It's not, it's a heart issue. You see, because love is measurable. That word obey, everyone say obey. Obey. It means to watch carefully in the Greek, to guard, to keep, to hold in reserve, to preserve, to observe, to obey, to pay attention to. It means a sense of protection, care, or even a maintenance. It's something that we, we continually do. It's written in what's called the imperfect tense, which means it's not a one-and-done moment. It's something that has to be done continual. So when I tell my daughter, clean your room, and she cleans it one time, but it's the rest of the time it's always dirty, has she obeyed me? No. And how can we think that just because we obeyed or said a prayer one time that now we are obeying God? It's not a one-and-done deal. See, what, what's a trip is this, is that I told the first service, see, normally when, I, when, when you're putting messages together and, and as you're preparing to preach, you know those areas where, man, people are going to shout here. They're going to clap here. They're going to say amen here. They might even stand to their feet right here. As I'm, you, you, was your, a good, have you been preaching for 32 years like me? You know what points that the people, you, you, can, you can lean, that this is going to be a good point. I didn't have one of those in this one. Not one. I'm putting this together. They're not going to clap on obey. They're not going to clap on commandments. They're not going to clap on this. But you know what? I really don't give a rip because I'm going to preach the word. I'm not here for your applause. I'm here to make sure that the word of God gets out and challenges you. I'm not here to tickle your ears. I want to see you get to heaven. I want to stand there before God and said, everyone that you gave me to make sure that I got to heaven is standing right here. I'm not here to make sure that you're excited or that you're clapping because of what I said. I want to make sure you get there.
He says, obey my commandments. That word says, commandments are not suggestions. Command, decree, order, and injunction. I order or I command. And why could God even be so uh, pretentious to think that God can command us? Well, he is the one that spoke the word and created all the world. You want to do your own thing, just leave what he created. No, really, you, you want to do your own thing, you just leave what he created. Oh, what? he created everything. Well, I'll go to space. Oh, created that too. Go to Mars. Mm. That was part of the constellation he created. Well, you just do your own thing. You go float somewhere. Oh, even gravity and... Where are you going to get the breath from? Because the breath he lent to you. See, let, let, me, let me put it to you this way. Worship team, if you'd help me, I want you to see something here. In the book of Genesis, if you, we read, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, right? We, we read God. In, in Genesis chapter 3, we, we see the conversation between the serpent and between Eve. And they're having this conversation. And the, the serpent's hanging out in the tree and says, you hungry? I'm paraphrasing. You hungry? I got some great, delicious fruit here. Now, this, this wasn't a culinary choice. Because according to, to uh, I'm not sure if it's arborist or just, just uh, gardening, there, there are literally over, uh, I, I think the, the amount was, and I, I might be, see if I can get this right here. There's over 12,000 different variety of fruit trees. Which meant the, they had the ability to eat something different for breakfast, lunch, and dinner from a different tree and not eat from the same tree in over three years. So this wasn't a culinary choice. It wasn't like they were running out, I'm tired of apples and I want something different. That wasn't the, the issue. So when the, the, the serpent tells them, why don't you eat here? And Eve responds, she says this. We can't eat from that tree because God told us not to. And then you see the serpent respond and say, did God really say you can't eat from this tree? And she responds, yes, God said this. Now, we read that in English, and we just keep seeing God, 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 God. But in the Hebrew, it's different. She says... When he asked, did God really say, Satan says, did El or Elohim. Elohim is creator. The one that created everything that we see. The one that said, let there be light and there was light. The one that spoke to the, to the water so that fish would come about. Spoke to the ground so plants came about. Elohim is the creator God. Everyone say creator. creator. Satan has no problem admitting God created everything. Because God created him too. No problem with that. But in their conversation, he says, did the creator really say this? She responds, not God, but Adonai. Or Yahweh. Yahweh translated becomes Adonai. Adonai means Lord, Master. Oh, you're going to capture this in a moment. 
Satan has no problem acknowledging God as creator, but he will never refer to him as Lord. Because Lord recognizes submission. That I'm under the covering of someone else. And so every time they had that conversation, Satan only referred to God as Elohim. You know what? That's great. You can acknowledge that there's a God, but acknowledging a God that there is a God is not enough. It's not until you have an encounter with Elohim, until, until you have an encounter with Adonai, until you have an encounter with Yahweh, the God that is your Lord, your master, the ruler, the one that you submit your life to. That's where the transformation comes in. Even the demons know that there is a God. It's your ability to submit to God as Adonai. It's your ability to submit to God in that area. When God comes in, his command means, he's not suggesting it. Commandments work when you work the commandments. God says, I want you to obey. I want you to do things. In other words, I want you to do things my way. We become contagious when we start doing things God's way. Let me say that again. We become contagious when we start doing things God's way. You know what's a trip? I have so many people over the years coming up to me and my wife saying, man, your marriage is amazing. You guys are amazing. And she, You know what? My wife is amazing. She, she puts up with me. She is just, just um, we, we're coming, this year we're celebrating 30 years of marriage. And when people look at, at our marriage and people re, re, talk about, man, you guys are, 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 are amazing. They always want to be around us in regards to our marriage. You know why? It's because we've done things God's way in our marriage. And when you do things God's way, you become contagious. You want, you, you, some, of, some of your relationships are repellent because you're not doing it God's way. God's way is turn the other cheek. Oh, heck no. Someone disrespect me. I'm going to fire them up. (laughs) To give when you're in need. What you mean, man? You want me to give? I'm trying to pay my PG&E right now. Why don't you break me off a piece instead? You want me to give? I got needs too. You want me to help someone? I got got my own struggles to to, to deal with. You know what? Go the extra mile? why, Why won't someone help me out? Because everything's focused in on us. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but its way leads to death. Love instead of hate. Oh, but you don't know what they did to me, Pastor. I didn't create these things. This is Jesus. Forgive, not get even. Esteem others higher than yourself. That's doing things God's way. You imagine if we live God's way, how different our marriages, our workplaces, our schools, our educational systems, every problem that we have in America right now is because we've broken a command of God. If as a, as a nation we obeyed all the commands of God, the prisons would empty wouldn't be addictions, wouldn't have abuses, there'd be no homeless. Why? Because we would take care of every homeless person. 
There would be no issues because everyone's thinking about other people instead of themselves. Are you capturing this? This is what I want to do this morning as we close. I want us to make a commitment. What's your homework this month? This month. In fact, stand to your feet as we do this. That way you know I'm ending for real. Pastor Angel. If you do things God's way, God will show up. When you do things God's way, God will show up. I want you to see this here, what I call the obedience challenge. For the next month, one month, I want you to do things God's way. I want you to do things God's way in your friendships, do things God's way in your marriage, do things God's way in your relationships, do things God's way in your finances, do things God's way in your, your body, do things God's way in forgiveness, do things God's way in every aspect of your life. Do things God's way, not your way. Not what feels good. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. That's why most people don't have any mind left. You're giving so much of your mind away, there's nothing left. What we need to do is start living God's way. Time to start living God's way. One month. One month. Do things God's way. Don't just know God as creator. Know him as Adonai. Know him as Lord. Let's do things God's way right now. Amen. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.